Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the best of the summer run home. Weekdays for the Hyundai Santa Fe. Welcome to the best of the run home summer edition. It was Missile and Bozza in this afternoon. We spoke about all things football, including the Euros coming up this year. And Bozza working out at my gym. Good Bozza, afternoon, welcome. Missile. How are you, mate? You're looking brilliant as usual. Never better, Bozza. Never better. Love this time of year. My year hasn't... Hasn't really started yet. I'm still in holiday mode a bit. I think you need you know someone I mean? like me around you to keep the positivity because I've got to say to everybody, and we talked about his gym last time, and those who uh, have got Facebook and Instagram will see a lot of times you come up on that about you know about losing losing weight and this that and the other. <laughs> yeah. But I've got to say, I've got to say, and and this is just you know this is not being disrespectful to anyone else. It makes a big difference coming from you than, than other people, put it that way. Because <laughs> you're a world-class athlete and you do look in world-class shape as well, mate. And I think you need someone like me around to remind you of those things every now and then. <laughs> I detect a, a distinct lack of confidence. And how are you, Marky, our producer? Very good? Good afternoon, boys. Bozza, missile. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, pleasure to home. have you here. What's been going on in your life? Just back from the UK. Was over there. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, how long did you go for? Two, a month. Two hours? A oh, month. A month, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, back was it UK. a month since we saw you last time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, was, I, was, I mean, we were in Wahlburgers last time I saw you. Oh, yeah, well, that's and, right. And that's right. I flew out that's the right. next day. That was and how's cool. things in the UK? Cold, wet, but great because I like the cold and the wet. Yeah, you like the cold and the wet. Yeah, and what are they talking about? What's the big story in football at the moment? Oh, over there. Well, I'm from Scotland, obviously. The big story is still Celtic Rangers. Well, still Rangers. football. Still yeah. Celtic Rangers, obviously. Yeah. Well, that's been a big story for about 100 years. But uh, uh, other than that, yeah. Uh, what else is there in the story? It's still Celtic Rangers. That's all there is. They all, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this to you all. This, and this is true. So you probably would have been about eight at this time. You know, during the mid-90s, and obviously Celtic and Rangers are massive clubs. They mm. are massive clubs. I mean, Celtic packed out every week. Rangers is exactly the same. The Premier League actually asked, that's the English Premier League, actually asked Celtic Rangers, would you like to come and join the Premier League? And they both said no. Really? At that time, yeah. Well, well they own the Would league. it be yeah. straight into the Premier League or Pretty, do they have to go to the Championship? Uh, either way. Either way. It's a good point, but it's actually a good point. I think either way. But, I yeah. mean, if you're Celtic Rangers, you go, fine, we'll take the Championship route, no problem. Yeah. Because it was talk about having them two from Glasgow – We've obviously had team from Wales before and maybe even exploring the idea of having a team from Dublin, from Republic of Ireland or even yep. Northern Ireland from Belfast. And they said, no, I reckon now they would perhaps crawl on their hands and knees <laughs> from Glasgow to London down the motorway to, to join. I think that would have been magnificent. Oh, I don't think so. You don't I think really? so? No, no, I think so. You'd rather go play Dunfermline on a Friday night? Yeah? <laughs> I think they would. Yeah. Oh, they would. You reckon? I think because they, they own the league. They're, they're like, they, 
There's a but whole the point difference of it. in revenue would be astronomical. Yeah, we'd rather, be, well, the we'd rather be a mid-tier yeah. team in a big league, or we'd rather be the big boys in a smaller tier league. Yeah, but it's, it's effective the... European-wise. I mean, like Celtic won their first game in Europe, right? Just before what 2023, it was just mm. uh, in the group stage. It's the first win in Europe in the Champions League since 2017. So I think, like I said, it, it would have improved. But never mind. Maybe sometime in the future, you never know. You never know. We if don't know. If, if the English overlords are feeling inclined, and they <laughs> say, <laughs> "I heard," I was on like the way this. back. I, like I, this. I took my young kids to uh, my mum and dad so they could stay for three or four days. On the way back, when it was raining, by the way, yeah, yeah, and uh, I heard, as I heard, the Hawaii Five O and y- y- yourself yesterday and Barney, Barney, yeah, yeah yep. yesterday on on the race. So I heard all this. Uh, all this little chatter and all that. And by the way, it was pouring, especially around Mascot coming down the M5. My gosh. Now, Boz, I have a question for you. So I get my football news partly through SEN and yeah. Fox and all that sort of stuff, yeah. but also through my barber. Oh, yeah. My barber's a British guy. Oh, and, marvelous. Uh, he does a good job too, by the way. <laughs> Looking very smart. No? <laughs> See, everyone, how I'm saying you can't take a compliment? Now, watch this, everyone. Look. There are two ways you can take a compliment. Just get, just before we get back to your story, give me two compliments and I'll show it two ways. Go, okay, watch. you're very well dressed today, Bozza. Thank and you. You're always well groomed. Look, freshly shaven, potentially. So, all right, so you can say thank you or yes. you can say like this, all right, when you get really confident about yourself, you can go, thank you, but it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what's the barber said? What's his name? So, Do we remember what's his name? Uh, ben. Benny, so remember Benny we, Barber. <laughs> ben Barber. Marvellous. Yeah, marvellous. Yeah. So remember, uh, we were talking uh, last summer. Euros. We, we did the yeah, odds. Yeah, we said we say and, odds, and the odds for the, the Euros. Yeah, yeah. I said to him, what about the Euros coming up? You guys are, f- are favourites. Mm. And he said, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, was, I was a little bit surprised. I thought mm. maybe France. You know, And he said, no, no, no. He said, we'll, we'll definitely win the Euros this year. Mm. I wouldn't say definitely, but well, I, I, I think and, they're a very good shout. But... The British usually quite pessimistic about their football. And he his reasoning yeah. was, uh, we've lost so many tournaments that we should have won that we're due to win. Oh, okay. I, I hear where he's coming from. But I guess somebody like yourself who wants a little bit more than... I've got a gut feeling. And I was saying this the other day. It's actually funny because and it wouldn't matter. So just say, for example, uh, I came to a swimming meet. I would ask you things and all that. But I would mm. feel certain vibrations that... Yeah. And feelings, mate, right? Yeah. And I would say that would be the same if you come to a football game. Yeah. I think you would say to me, Boz, like, I just got a feeling this team's not going to score. Yeah, yeah. However, if you're an analyst and you're on TV <laughs> and you're being paid for that, and and that feeling might be Stonewall, right, Marky and Miss, that might be Stonewall feeling. But mm. if somebody comes to you later and Pico says, uh, Boz, you know, what do you think about this game? Oh, they're never going to score. Why? Because I've got a feeling. People are going to say, well, I'm sort of paying my money to hear a little bit more than yeah. that. Yeah. So actually you're paying his money as long as he does a good haircut. That's what I'm saying. But I hear what he's saying in terms of the superstitious things. There's a lot of superstition that goes around sport. You know, we never win here or we always beat this team or this, that yeah. and the other. Yeah. You know, little things, little things start to add up in people's mind to justify when they win or when they lose or when they draw. But England have got a, a, an excellent side and have done for quite some time. There's no doubt about that. And Look, to be fair to them, last World Cup, I think they beat France. They get into the final. I'm not sure they would have beaten Argentina, but mm. they definitely would have won the semi-final. I think the semi-final France played was against Morocco. Check that. Alex. Alex just walked in as well. Yeah, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, obviously the Euros against Italy, only lost on penalties. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Croatia beat them in the semi-finals of 2018 in Russia. In a game, really, if they'd gone 2-0 up, they would have won that game as well. But so obviously, they, not, they come up wrong. against a, are... a movable force in Croatia. That was, <laughs> uh, 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 so the, the other thing he told me, so this is one of the few 
ways that I get an idea of how the English public are feeling about their site. Mm. Uh, I said, what about Southgate? And he said, ah, that's the only problem is that if we win, Southgate will probably stay on until the World Cup. And mm. we, we want Pep Guardiola. Yes, right. I've heard of that. Fair, yeah, fair enough. And I can understand that. Look, that happened a lot of times when Sir Alex Ferguson was managed and doing so well. So a lot of people saying, let's go and get Sir Alex Ferguson. I think they actually tried the English FA to get Sir Alex Ferguson, but he knocked them on the head several times. Yep. So remember, managing your country is a great, great honour. And especially, you know, when you talk about being Australian test captain, that's the second biggest job in Australia uh, yeah. behind the prime yeah, minister. Yeah, yeah. Well, in England, it's perhaps managing the English football team is the biggest job in the country. And yeah. that includes the prime minister as well. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. I, I've got to say that to everyone because Gareth Southgate was a teammate of mine for over yeah. four years at Aston Villa, still keeping contact with him. For me, he's a, he's a fabulous man. Uh, I can understand where some of the supporters are getting a little bit frustrated because he is a little bit conservative by nature. You know, sometimes he perhaps doesn't... In the style of play? Yeah, not so much the style of play, but in his in his mannerisms in terms of when to make substitutes, you know, mm. to go... And sometimes then coming back to style of play, should we go a little bit more attacking, this, that, and the other? Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's centimetres off and has been centimetres off. And after what happened before with the previous guy, uh, Sam Allardyce, and English football was a bit lost. And remember as well, in, it was it 2014 when they didn't, you know, when they got knocked out by, I think it was, was it Iceland? In, in that, oh, yeah, that was in the, yeah, That was yeah. ridiculous, yeah. So he's restored not only a lot of pride, but put them in a position where you've got people saying, I think we've got a real chance of winning it. But winning it, you know, this is a this is a massive tournament. This is the third biggest tournament in the whole of world football. And you've got a lot of big teams. And also the, the unfortunate uh, passing this morning of a true football legend in France, Beckenbauer, that's going to have a massive effect in terms of Germany and what they want to do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a million percent certain that that's going to play a big part in their motivation and they're playing at home as well. So you mentioned France uh, and there's also outside teams, you know, teams that come from nowhere. I mentioned Croatia before, mm. uh, you know, you'll have to say Italy as well, who haven't been in the last two world cups Scotland. and uh, they're reigning <laughs> champions. Uh, look, Put it this way, if England have to meet Scotland in a knockout game, it will be completely different. It'll be like a derby. So there you go. Maybe not to win the whole thing, but to upset people. So you've got to look at those 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 wild, you know, those wild cards. Spain, never rule out Spain. Portugal, it's another one. So all those little teams. But definitely them, I, I believe them, France and Germany are the three favourites for the tournament. And right now it's pretty hard to go past two of the best players in Europe are English, Harry Kane and Jude Bellingham from Real Madrid. So it, it's Where's when you've Harry got Kane that playing at Bayern Munich. Bayern yeah, he Munich. went to Bayern Munich. Yeah, he went to Bayern Munich. He started off uh, at Bayern Munich better than any of the goal scorers uh, in history, uh, and uh, and they're an excellent side as well. So he'll have that experience of also playing in Germany as well, which I think will make a, a massive difference. But really looking forward to the tournament. Like I said, the Euros for me. I don't know. I don't know what it is since I've been back here in Australia. The Euros even more so than the World Cup, especially after the World Cup when Australia gets uh, eliminated. You know. I think it, it doesn't like. I don't think the interest is quite the, the the Euros. I think because we've got so many migrants who have come, or, mm. or first, second generation Australians from those migrants from all over Europe, it, it, it genders, I think, a, a little bit of a different feeling. I don't know. What do you all think? Welcome back to the best of the run home, Bozer and Missile. This afternoon, we spoke about Sam Kerr's ACL injuries and the Olympic Games flag bearer. Obviously, other huge football news mm. yesterday. Uh, Sam Kerr injured. Yeah. Uh, ACL. So Shocker. the chances of her playing at the Olympics, if we're being zero. realistic. Yeah. Zero. Absolutely yeah. zero. This rule her out completely. Think about the player now. I heard all, especially what you guys were saying yesterday and that as well. Two things I'd like to ask. Uh, number one, how did it happen? 
Mm. Was it, you know, innocuous thing that, that, you know, so, you know, she'd done it on her own, like basically sort of checked or jumped for a ball and fell down awkwardly or something, or was it a bad tackle? Yep. The other thing is, well, the, the Women's Premier League stopped at the beginning of December. They're actually on a break. They don't start again until, I think, January 20th. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong about that. Um, I did see her that she traveled to Perth. Nothing wrong, okay, understandable. Yep. Yep. But all that travel as you all know, is not good for the body. No. It really is not good for the yeah, body yeah, at yeah. all. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it's happened on a break, um, for me, it's it's very it's frustrating. I'd like I'd like to I'd like to you know ask a lot more questions, especially of Chelsea. Um, you know, I'd like to know the state of the ground that they were training in Morocco. I assume mm. it would be excellent. Don't don't worry about that. But what were they actually doing as well? Because mid-season breaks are. I mean, as a player, I mean, we're one of the only competitions in the Premier League that don't have a proper mid-season break. They'll have Teams playing half around. It's like a, it's like a Clayton's yeah, yeah. Minute winter's break. The break you have yeah. when you're not having a break. Yeah. Some teams will play this weekend in the Premier League, and the other teams will play the following week. But as a player, you give a right arm to have a mid-season break, get some sun on your back, and make sure you just rejuvenate and this, that, and the other. So if it to happen, then I, th I found that very, very strange. But those are the two things that come across. Well, how did exactly did she do it, and why was she allowed to travel all the way to Australia and then come back? I can understand that I might say this, that, and the other, but in the middle of the season, it's very, very risky. All my managers used to hit the roof if I had to come down to Australia for any reason, especially a game because it wasn't a, a designated international break. Yep. It'd have to be against a really tough opposition because the amount of times that I'd fly back and all of a sudden your knee would blow up. Yeah, or this, or, you know, inflammation. 100%. And not only that, yeah. as an ex-world-class athlete, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Ex-world-class how important is your Your sleep is important, everything. full stop, but yeah, it's everything. Yeah, yeah. So you're yeah. going across, you know, they say it's really a day per time zone. Yeah. You come to Australia, that's the what's nearly 10, 12 time zones. Yeah, Again, yeah, somebody yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. You know, anything yeah. like all those type of things all, all add up. But the bottom line is she needs to just get well. You know, and and rest and rehab as best you possibly can. So, from a more technical perspective for the Matildas, we saw them play the pool games and their their first uh, knockout game without Sam Kerr yeah, at the did. World Cup, and they yeah. they excelled. So I think they did. Still, I think they that, did. This yeah. is not. Uh, this doesn't mean it's the end of the Olympic dream for the Matildas. Of course it? not. Of yeah. course not. And they can't look it upon that. Look, there's no doubt that she is our best player. But I think one of the so many things to come out of the World Cup, like you said, that were great. And one of them you just touched on, very, very poignant, that the fact that although they struggled at the beginning, everyone was worried. Yeah. But once they once they found their rhythm uh, in that last group game, they I, I think it was Canada, was it, Marky, that they thrashed? You get that up with me. And then they beat, I think it was Denmark in the quarters, uh, sorry, yeah. in the round of 16. And then France, where Sam came on. But the majority of the game was without Without-o, Sam, yeah. yeah. Uh, although she scored a cracker in the semi-final against England, but to be fair, she should have at least hit the target with that other chance at one-one as well. Yeah. Uh, the fact that the Matildas showed that they could do that without her, I think it was very important for the team and especially for their morale. And another point is, I think Mary Fowler, and you made this point as well, Mary Fowler does tend to shine a little bit more in mm. a strange type of way when Sam's not playing. I think they become so used to, you know, you look for your best player automatically. Yeah. Yep. And it's so used to looking for Sam. And when she wasn't there, they, they were forced to use Mary Fowler, who takes a lot of those positions in between the opposition's back line and, in, and the opposition's midfield. So that we call that in between the line. Mm. It's a very, yeah. very important position to take. And she's got the ability in that to score goals, to create goals, which, which is really good for the team. So, of course, it's not the end of the world. You can't be. You can't think in that manner. Um, but uh, but the, who has to think in that manner is, is the manager, Tony Gustafs and, and his staff. Um, they're going to have to get that ready now. I'll be planning now without Sam Kerr. Simple as yeah. that. Mark, do you have their results there? 
Yes. With so them in the group stages, they started off with they beat Ireland 1 0. That's right. They then lost 3 2 to Nigeria. That's right. Yeah. And then they thumped Canada 4. Canada, I got it. I yeah. got it right. And Canada yeah. were ranked quite highly, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Canada were in the top 10, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they won the Olympics the year before. Oh, wow. That's right. Yeah, so that's they were, right. They're a strong team. Okay. And then okay. it was Denmark who are strong. France on penalties, mm. England three. Mark, so just, a, just a quick technical question. I know everyone who's listening, especially those who are driving, will, will think, why are you asking this, boss? But I think it's quite significant right at this yeah. moment in time. Why is it like a sauna in here? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's summer, so <laughs> I thought I'd get into the summer vibes. Okay. Oh, Hawaii wow. Five-0, right, you know. Right, okay. We're trying to sweat the, sweat the, nice. the Christmas. Yeah, and the they reckon years. 30 minutes in the sauna is good, but I've yeah. never heard anyone say <laughs> three hours in the sauna is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two hours, 45. Yeah. I expect yeah. you to have an ice bath waiting for us as soon as we get out of here. Uh, one thing you spoke about yesterday, just quickly before we go, what, did you think that Sam was going to carry the, uh, the flag maybe on one of the opening or closing? Okay. Potentially, okay. yeah. How do they decide that, buddy? I'm not sure about the opening. The closing okay. is usually relevant to uh, results and How things or, went and or uh, public, uh, I guess, um, perception of, of results. How so they like, went and all that, yeah. At the, at the last Olympics, remember Emma McKeon became the most successful Olympian in Australia ever? Yeah, so you gave, gave, they gave it well, to no, her. They ended up giving it to uh, Paddy, Paddy, Paddy. Mills. Paddy Mills, okay, because the basketball team on their first medal ever. Okay, so you enough. kind of work off who's done that what, type of stuff. It, yeah, but the opening, I'm not sure. Mm. But the opening, I remember in Barcelona. So, you know, growing up here in Australia, especially being at the Olympics, was a great honor. Yeah. And did you walk in the opening? No, because that's what I was going to get to. Because we, uh, we had, and the funny thing was, I wasn't even playing the first game because I was yeah. only twenty. It was under twenty threes. And another boy called Johnny Filan was playing in the first game, but we were playing the following day. And our manager yeah. said, no one goes. Yeah, yeah. No one goes. So it's yeah. what are you going to do? Could you yeah. hear it from the village? No, we couldn't. No, because yeah. that village in Barcelona was right on the was beach. Away, the stadium was, was a little oh, bit further nice. away. That's yeah. nice. We yeah. had in um, in London, the, the swimmers never do the opening because we race. You start straight start away, don't you? Day yeah. one, heats, yeah. heats early that morning. But the uh, the stadium was right near the village. Oh right! So we're trying to get to sleep, and all we can hear is like fireworks uh, and people screaming. Like, <laughs> wrap it up, wrap it up. And we didn't get to see. It, but apparently, that London one was so iconic. It had. I think I've watched it back later. It was like yeah, Mr. Had, Bean, yeah, and the did, Spice David Beckham, Girls and David Beckham. Yeah, it was. And the Queen yeah, he was acting like that. It was yeah. the guy yeah, who directed yeah. Slumdog Millionaire. I've forgotten his name, but he he directed the opening ceremony in London. I remember it was oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. amazing. Danny Boyle. Then my yeah. the first the first article I ever had to write was up. Yeah. Was for uh, for News Corp. Uh, How did you start? They uh they Hi asked everyone. Me, <laughs> yeah. They asked me to write an article for the opening ceremony for Tokyo. So right. I was I was covering the whole game. So yeah. they said we want first article about the opening ceremony. And I was thinking back to London and I was like, beautiful, this is gonna be huge. And it was flat. Mm. They did this whole origami piece where they're making like shadows on the ground and the shapes yeah. of different sports and stuff. I was sitting there going, ooh, hmm. what do I write? Like, it's an Olympics. I want to be, like, what, do, be I, up, what yeah. do I write here? What do I write? When in doubt, <laughs> when in doubt, when in doubt, be truthful. Yeah. yeah. You, can, you can still, be, look, you can still write it in a way yeah, that yeah, says, look, yeah. listen, it's a little bit different to what I'm used to. Remember, but different strokes with different folks. That's it. Yeah. That's and if, it. it doesn't mean if I'm not over the moon about it, that somebody else will not be. You know what Variety is though? the spice of life. Paris. Paris, you reckon? Good. Yeah, I think we're operating on a similar wa wavelength to the Parisians. <laughs> Je m'appelle. <laughs> all right, let's Comment take a break. To Je m'appelle Marc. Uh, <laughs> for all our English listeners, actually, get in some questions about the Euros. 
coming up this yeah, year. Yeah, Euros coming up. And anyone, uh, some of our older listeners, obviously, uh, have got any great memories about France Beckenbauer. He actually played against the Socceroos in 1974 when the Socceroos first ever qualified for the World Cup. And when there was only 16 teams at a World Cup, too, and they were part-timers. And in our group was Chile, East Germany, and West Germany, the, the two countries obviously separate then. And he played for West Germany against the Socceroos. So any of our older listeners, I've already got some tweets in, which I'll read them out later. But we've got any wonderful memories uh, about the Kaiser, as they used to call him, the nickname Franz Beckenbauer, who his list of what he won was, I'll read it out later, was absolutely amazing. Like I said, please call in one three hundred zero one eleven seventy or text in on 0457 736 736. I might have one of those signs uh, ready for when my uh, young boy becomes a teenager because that would have been great during the day just to have those things on your back when you go to a bar or something. Yeah? Yeah. If you want to call the Bozzo, call one three hundred zero one eleven seventy or text me on 0457 736 736. Just not be, uh, not be between 10 and 12 as I'll be training. Welcome back to the best of the run home summer edition. It was Bozza and Missile in this afternoon. We spoke to Michael Carianis about the breaking news out of Concord. The West Tigers have sacked Scott Fulton. We get on to some NRL, and there was big breaking news today at the West Tigers. Uh, so we've got Michael Karianis is joining us now live to talk about that such news. Morning, well, good morning. I was on I was on breakfast with Michael the other day. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's all right. Good so afternoon. What? Good no, afternoon. You never know. Wow. But we might be saying good morning to him. He might be talking to us from Europe. I hope so. I hope not. I'm going to do breakfast again tomorrow. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so tell us. Up fine. How are we, fellas? Yeah, yeah good we're things, good, Michael. Good. How are you? See, uh, breaking news at the West Tigers. Talk to me. Yeah, so Scott Fulton, the uh, head of recruitment, was told today that his position um, is no longer uh, there. He's been made redundant. Um, and that's part of the, the massive change that has happened at the West Tigers in, in the last couple of months. Obviously, before Christmas, we saw Lee Hadjipentel as the chairman and the rest, and majority of the board gone. Justin Pascoe, the chief executive, gone. And uh, this is just a, another uh, step towards um, all these changes that have, that have been occurring at the West Tigers over the last couple of months. So, Michael, for the non-rugby league fanatic, and there's a lot of people that are listening that are not, they love their rugby league, but they're not fanatics. Can you explain how this is all occurring? Like, how is it? Like, a, a lot of the questions I get asked from my football friends is. Oh, I listened to the other day on SEN and I heard about the West Tigers. So how is these people allowed to come in from the outside and sack the people that are already there? So can you explain, like, you know, is, is, is it a privately owned club or the NRL? Explain the, like, yeah, what's going on. There, there is an ownership of, of the West Tigers and the majority of shareholders, the Holman's Barnes Group, which is in turn West Ashfield. And they made the decision after undertaking a, a review during, during the season that things needed to change. And, and the massive part of the change was a, a shake-up of the board, which saw, obviously, Lee Hadjim Patel has gone, Barry O'Farrell, the former New South Wales Premier. Its chairman, once again, he had a short stint in charge of the West Tigers a couple of years ago, but he's back. And Justin Passer, the long-serving chief executive, was replaced by Shane Richardson. And yep. um, that's part of a, a massive shake-up that, Place to you know bears fruit again today. So who's the owners again, Michael? Did you say the Holman's Barnes Group? So they're Holman Barnes Group. The West that yeah 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 the West Ash uh, own the West Tigers essentially. I have, have the majority shake of, stake of the West Tigers. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there it's a leagues club in um, well, in Ashfield. In Ashfield. Um, yeah. In Ashfield. Uh, MC, yeah, so they got a few. They got a few premises, but yeah. Ashfield. So so Fulton's been sacked as recruitment manager. Does that mean that? 
he potentially wasn't the driving force behind bringing Jerome Luai to the club? Because surely you don't get this huge marquee signing and then get sacked the next day. Oh, well, I think um, the, the Jerome Luai negotiations were started under the old regime right. and continued on. But Benji Marshall was the driver. Okay. There's no doubt. And Benji Marshall obviously was part of the, you know, affiliated with the old regime and, and remains in the charge as head coach. So the discussions were well advanced. And then Shane Richardson closed the deal along with Benji Marshall, uh, you know, last week. And there was talk that yeah. Benji Marshall and Scott Fulton weren't on talking terms at times. Did they bury the hatchet or is this just this feud continued and this this is the the new administration backing Benji over Fulton. Yeah, you can read into it what you like, Miss Albert. <laughs> okay. Take it, take, take it as read. If Benji Marshall was a fan of Scott Fulton, Scott Fulton would still be in a job right now. Oh, I thought so. I was, I was going to say, it's it, it's a very... Look, in our game, we've gone through several changes, but I could not imagine someone like, uh, say, Ron Atkinson, Sir Alex Ferguson, having what they call in our sport a, a football director. Whereas a lot like, of people, yeah, yeah because they would, it, they would feel as though it was undermining them. So yeah. I was going to ask Michael at the start of that, you know, in terms of Scott Fulton, like, what does a player recruiter do? Is it more for juniors? But obviously it's not. The only thing I, I would I would suggest, and look, I can understand that from both. Look, because a lot of clubs in our sport turn around and say, look, listen, we just want you as a manager, i.e. coach, to coach. Go and worry about that, Yeah. And we've got a football director who you want to talk. Those two people, if you have them, they have to get on like a house on fire. Because if yeah. not, you're going to have absolute issues. Whereas other other organisations are happy for the manager, stroke coach, to do everything, to do the recruiting. But look, the bottom line is this, is that you know majority of football clubs will say, like especially the big ones, uh, I want a new centre-back. Here's my five choices. Here's one, two, three. And you go and speak to those five because you want to get the best price for yourself. Some things might be possible. Some things might be not. Um, but if you're going to coach that player, you've got to be, just like Michael said, so Benji's been a, you know, the, the big sort of mover and shaker with this Jerome Luai. I'm sure that would have played a massive part, along with the money, in recruiting Jerome Luai. Yeah. So I reckon it's basically sort of come and say, do we really need this if this is what our coach is going to do? I would have thought you would have needed it more for the juniors, Michael, mm. rather than the senior player. You know, to go, you know, go and get the best junior. This, there's, you know, there's a guy called... Uh, you know, James Magnuson, he's only 15. He's playing out in Penrith. Go and see his parents that make sure he signs for us when he when he's able to. I'm sure he would have been in control of that as well, wouldn't he, MC? Yeah, the, a lot of clubs do have a head of recruitment. It just depends on the makeup of their structure. Shane Richardson's a real footy-orientated chief executive. He's got lots of experience um, in terms of running clubs and setting up uh, player pathways and roster development and stuff. So they don't actually need that sort of position under okay. Shane Richardson, so but yeah. some other CEOs have a better business acumen or, or, or largely a business acumen. So they need someone in there to, to be that overseer to ensure that the salary cap doesn't get out of whack. So, you know, if the coach is gone next year, that in three, four, five years time, the club isn't paying for the sins of the past. So yeah. a lot of clubs do have it. It's not, it's pretty common now in rugby league. What's next for Scott Fulton? He's had two rather tumultuous ends to his last two contracts of employment um mm. is, does that spell the end for him in an nrl sense well you touched on it he had a, a messy split from from manly yeah as well but one thing with scott is um he's identified a lot of good talent you look at that that manly side and he's had a hand in recruiting a lot of those mm. um you look at the west tigers um sam yellow and latu finu um a lot of clubs were in for him and if it wasn't for scott fulton's influence they don't end up at the West Tigers. Yeah. Time will tell if they've been good recruits or not. But 
What does it mean for those have... players that he brought to the West Tigers then? Well, that's an interesting one. Miss all they got, you know, he, he signed Jaden Sullivan, he signed Farnu, uh, two young halves on four year deals on, on, you know, half a million dollars plus a year. And then they go and sign Jerome Luai. Mm. So, you know, what does it mean for him? I think there'll be a shootout over the next couple of months to see who partners Jerome Luai. And I think for the other one, well, they might be out the door. Mm. In terms of Scott Fulton as well, like sometimes, you know, like I said to you, uh, you know, sometimes if you learn from your mistakes, it makes you better for your next job. He's obviously got a yeah. lot of experience in that as well. But I just think it's a case of, you know, does the current manager, I believe, I'm a great believer that the manager, when I say manager, I mean the head coach, coach. Yeah, yeah. is basically, with the exception of the CEO and, and the chairman, is is a sort of like, is the main man because it's his name and his job that's really ultimately on the line. Yeah, big time. Uh, in terms of, you know, what does that mean going forward as well? This is why I believe that all sports in Australia, not just rugby, league, have got to bring back transfer fees. Because if you've got an unhappy player that, that you just spoke about those two halves that Scott Fulton had signed mm. and you've got Jerome Luai coming in. So if you've got one of them who's un- unhappy, but he's still got two years left of his contract, why can't the West Tigers turn around and say, listen, your chances are going to be limited here, but we've had an offer from Parramatta for, for you to come in. We've accepted their offer. It's up to you now to go to talk to the club. He still doesn't have to go, yeah. but it's still an extra form of revenue if he does want to go. And Parramatta pay... Parramatta would pay West Tigers, say, 600000 and yep. he would do his own deal, you know, s- subject to obviously yeah, passing a medical right. and so forth, yeah? What that's, do you think yeah. of that, MC? It, it does happen on a very, very small scale, a very small scale. So say if you wanted, you know, it happens at the junior level uh, for players that are, uh, are developed and, and then they get sort of pinched, but that's obviously not a lot of money. And then at the top level as well, we've seen very few occasions in the past where, you know, a player wants out of a out of a deal, and the club's like, "Well, you know, we're not going to let you go unless we get a player or a financial settlement." Mm. But it's very, very few and far between, and you know, we're not talking massive amounts of money. No, but you started off somewhere, so you yeah, might even yeah. started off at a hundred thousand. There was this, this, you know, the incident with the guy at the Dragons. What's his name? Um, Ben Hunt. Yeah, Ben Hunt. Yeah, so that's a great example. He wants yeah. to leave. Okay. Yeah. You got a year and a half left in your contract, buddy. You did sign the contract. No one's put a gun to you to sign of a contract. Mm. You got a year and a half left. We'd like you to stay, but let's see if we can come to an arrangement. If wherever you want to go, if they're willing to pay money now, they can have you now. If not, the next year and a half, it's going to be difficult because we know that you want you to leave now. It would just, it would just restore a lot of balance to the to the player stroke club situation because that's what you want. You don't want a player to be denied opportunities, but you also don't want the club to be hoodwinked and just because all of a sudden somebody wakes up one morning and says, you know, I want to go back and live here. I want to go back. They, they shouldn't have to be sort of punished for that either if they've done everything right by the player. Yeah. Just one other question for you, MC, while we've got you. Um, the Broncos announced that they're looking at putting Selwyn Cobbo to left center next year, which opens up mm. a wing position. I was thinking it was going to be Dean Mariner who got that center position, but is there any early word on who's got the running for that wing position out of Corey Oates and, and Dean Mariner? Yeah, I, I'm with you, Miss. I thought it was going to be Dean Mariner who, who was going to start um, to replace Herbie Farnworth. But uh, Kevy threw a curveball yesterday and said, no, Selwyn Cobbo will, will get first crack. And, you know, Cobbo is such an exciting young player as well. So it's been good to see him get his hands on the ball a little bit more. It can be wasted on, on the wing at times. But, no, I think it'll be a shootout now between the rising star, Dean Mariner, who we've heard lots about the last couple of years and, the veteran Corey Oates, who, who found his way out of the side. Kevy also said Jesse, Jesse Arthurs will, will keep one wing spot. So showdown between two guys at either end of their careers. Mm. There, there you go. go.
All right. Thanks for giving us the scoop, MC. Uh, thanks, Michael. Get some sleep because you'll be up with, oh, I imagine the alarm will have a four in front of it somewhere. Why? It's, def- it's definitely got a four. Breakfast it's got a radio. four, unfortunately, but we'll see Breakfast. how we go. Oh, come on, buddy. Come on. Actually, yeah. forget about sleep. You guys should come straight in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the buzzer way. Uh, I'm, I'm listening now. When's he on? When's he on? When's he on? Tomorrow morning, breakfast. <laughs> what time? Nine. From what time? 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. I'm up. I'm up, buddy. I won't even ring in. I'll tell you what, if you're not onto it, Mike, I'm ringing in. <laughs> I'll be on. I'll be on. Oh, you we'll see. Anyway. I'm going to hit you with every. I'm going to come from every. I'm going to be like Mike Tyson in the late 80s. <laughs> All right. Thanks, MC. Right. Enjoy the early wake Thanks, up. Thanks, MC. Thank you. Bye. Welcome back to the best of the run home summer edition. It was Bozo and Missile in this afternoon. We spoke to Barat Senderason about the West Indies test matches coming up. Who is going to open the batting for Australia? Joining us now is SEN cricket expert Barat Sundarason. Welcome to the run home, Barat. Hi, Barat. Yeah, hello, guys. Thank you for having me on. Happy New Year. Happy New Year Happy to you, too. An absolute too. pleasure having you on. So, what's going on in the world of cricket, mate? Well, uh, not much, actually, uh, except the, the mystery of who's going to be the next yeah. test opener for Australia. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a proper whodunit, right? I mean, uh, in the reverse, though. Like, okay. uh, who will do it, I guess. Uh, that's, uh, that's a better way of putting it. Uh, and looks like um, Steve Smith uh, is the front runner to wow. take over from David Warner. I mean, there's a bit of irony in that as well. Um, as we head towards that first test against the West Indies at the Adelaide Oval next week. Well, mm. I was saying to uh, Bozza before the show, if Steve Smith wants it, surely <coughs> Steve Smith gets it. And he came out and said he wants the challenge. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not sure about that. I don't like to fix things if they're not broken. I don't think he's he's sort of, you know in any way playing that bad you know, to stay no, where he is. Bad, and there yeah. are specialist openers who have been piling on the runs at the only level of cricket that they can do besides test cricket. I don't think, with all due respect to the West Indies, I'd like to hear what Barat thinks about this. I don't think it will make a, a great deal of difference against the West Indies, no. but it will against India. It will against England. It mm. will against South Africa and possibly yep. New Zealand. Yep. So even if you went with Steve Smith right now, I think it would be fine. Wherever he got out, they're still going to win these test matches. But if you're looking long-term, I would go rather go for a specialist opener who, you know, who's, who's been piling on the runs uh, in, in anticipation of this retirement and to get into the Australian test team. Barat, what's your thoughts? No, it's a very fair thought. And, uh, you know, the opening in cricket has been a specialist position for such a long time. Yeah. Uh, like with wicket-keeping, like with maybe being the the spinner, in especially in these conditions, the sole spinner. Uh, that that makes sense, what, what, what you spoke about. I mean, the likes of Cameron Bancroft, who's mm. been scoring uh, heavy runs in shield cricket. And there's also Marcus Harris, who's been with the side for so many years now as a reserve opener. And then you have Matt Renshaw as well. Uh, but I guess what the Australian selectors and the team management seem keen on is making sure that their top, the best six batters in the country, according to them, uh, uh, get a go. Uh, they, and which means Cameron Green comes back into this side. And with Mitchell Marsh having um, uh, taken over that number six role from Cam uh, and having had a great run at it, I mean, he could easily have been player of the series against Pakistan. Um, it looks like the only way they can slot Cameron Green in 
is either make him open. Uh, looks like Manus Labushain has been very clear about not wanting to do that job. Um, or uh, And that was the thing. They, they were looking for an option to put bring Cam Green in. And suddenly from nowhere, Steve Smith says, ah, you know what, I'll go up top so that you can play Cam Green. Hmm. Uh, so I think it, it, this option might have just fallen into the selector's laps. Uh, and it looks like, at least for now, they might go ahead with it. But I also kind of look at uh, the whole opening position uh, differently going forward. Maybe, look, maybe the team management has said that, like, okay, we want to pick the top six batters. And going forward, we can kind of play around with that opening position, depending on where we are. We saw Travis Head open in India last year. Uh, and it looks pretty pretty clear that in the subcontinent, they want to use Travis Head at the top of the order. Uh, and, and so on and so forth. Like, you know, open with, say, Steve Smith in the first innings. And if it's a run chase and you want to score runs quickly, put Head in there or Marsh in there, whoever. So maybe that's the era we are heading towards where, uh, the specialist opener is maybe not so specialist. Mm. I don't mind it. But I was reading somewhere, Barat, and I can't, <coughs> can't remember to, to give them credit for it, but apparently the higher Steve Smith bats up the order and the huh. earlier he gets in during an innings, the higher his average is. So mm. is this playing into his strengths? Uh, I can tell you exactly uh, where that comes from. That's when Manas Labushen spoke to me and Adam Collins uh, for yeah, SCN after the after the Sydney test. Yeah, but right, he uh, knew that. He just didn't want to give you credit. He told me, so I'm not giving Barack credit for I this. I read it on the SCN Instagram. <laughs> there you go. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, there's a lot of give and take in our little industry, isn't there? So uh, I think uh, that that's where that stat came from. And look, okay. it, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, and and also the, the I think Steve Smith averages over 100 every time he's walked out to bat within the first two overs or something like that. Look, that's the beauty of with numbers, right? You can prove and disprove whatever you want depending yes, on the size yeah, of the debate you sit on. Yeah, but I think it, it really does come down to Steve Smith, like you know, someone with his seniority saying, look, I want to do it. And both Pat Cummins and Andrew McDonald didn't seem 100% convinced at that point. Pat Cummins said what you said, which mm. is not uh, in, I mean, he didn't use those words, but he spoke about not wanting to mend something which is not broken. But uh, yeah, I mean, with Steve Smith, the way, uh, where he is in his career in Australia right now, looking for that opener. And like I said, to play the top six batters in the side and bring Cam Breen back. Uh, this could just work out because number four is also a position where Cam Green has been most comfortable with. Uh, and there it does make a difference, right? And number six, he's at mm. times looked a little out of position, having to bat with the tail that he's not mm. had any experience with. Now that that is sorted with Mitch Marsh, maybe mm. Cam Green at number four, that could be more the long-term option rather than maybe. six with at the yeah. top. Well, I would have thought, I mean, I mean, especially in test cricket, your best batsmen are normally three and four. But uh, Barat, explain to the non-cricket fanatics now what's coming up after the Pakistan series. We've got... Is it a two-test series against the West Indies? And when are the uh, ODIs and the 2020s as well? Uh, no, for sure, uh, the West Indies will be playing two test matches. They, in fact, play a warm-up game starting tomorrow uh, here in Adelaide at the Karen Rolton Oval. So uh, the West Indies squad has an interesting squad. There are seven uncapped players. So mm. we'll have a minimum of three debutants in that first test, which starts at the Adelaide Oval next week on the 17th. And then we go to the Gabba for a pink ball test. Uh, so it's moved around a little bit. Generally, as you know, the day-night test mm -hmm. comes to Adelaide. Mm -hmm. And that's followed by uh, three ODIs and three T20Is. I think the spread between Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra. Uh, I think the T20s are in uh, Melbourne, Adelaide, and there's even one in Hobart. So yeah. Yeah, everybody gets a go at the West Indies. But um, who will show up the West for the West Indies? Nobody seems to know. And no more Pakistan. So that they're done for the summer. 
they're done for the summer. They're okay. headed off to New Zealand uh, for some white ball cricket. So it's Excellent. just the West Indies in terms of men's cricket anyway. There is a, a women's test match at the, the WACA, which between Australia and South Africa later this month or okay. next month. I think. Excellent. Yeah. Right. Um, I've been hearing some whispers. Bozzy, you might have heard these as well. What? That potentially Dave Warner's baggy green wasn't misplaced by Qantas. Hmm. Maybe a couple of options. You have to concentrate on the scan. Yeah, yeah, look, I've got my tinfoil hat on. I've heard, I've heard two different rumors. No, but what wasn't I on with you that day when it first broke? And I told yeah. you, you watch, you'll find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the yeah. two rumors I'm hearing are: Does it matter? Rumor one: He left it well because he sprayed Qantas in an all-time <laughs> Instagram post. Gave wow. them, okay. gave them one of the great sprays, and then Chappelle Corby jumped on and she said, "Well, I've got stories of my own with Qantas." <laughs> So wow. Qantas copped a PR battering that yeah. day. He's got 10 million followers okay. on social media. So yeah. when he says something, you know, wow, yeah. Qantas stock They're going to vote for him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I heard two rumors, Brad. I don't know if you've, if you've heard these. Rumor one was that he simply left it in his hotel room. Hmm. The hotel found it, sent it up to him. Rumor two was that one of the other players played a little bit of a prank hmm. and hid his backpack with the baggy greens. Yeah. Have, have you heard any, either of those, Brad? Uh, I mean, the the player one, obviously, I think got floated around when Mitchell Marsh joked about, like he always does, uh, about having been the, 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 the culprit. But I, I don't think, just because I, I, knowing how much they value the baggy cream uh, and no other reason, I would be very surprised if one of the players were pulling a prank on him because it's the baggy green. If yeah. it was, say, anything yeah. else, maybe... Very sacred, like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. yeah, it is, especially from an Australian perspective. Yeah. Uh, some other teams, maybe it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, yeah, the hotel ones, just it just seems like uh, someone misplaced the bag because it, it, the mystery is they looked at CCTV cameras. If it's gone out and it's come back in, um, I mean, did the did the thief, if there was one, <laughs> find a heart <laughs> in all of this? And if, if Mind you, uh, w- once it came out, eh, Barat, and I told you this when that, when that first day, once it came out, Barat, if, that's what I'm saying to you. So if you were to put it back, you're going to put it back in a way that no one can see you. Because, oh, you're going to be, yeah? Yeah? But, uh, yeah. Well, it just miraculously turned up at his hotel then in the next place. I told you, once I, I saw those, who once I saw those pictures of him sleeping next to it, he deserved to have it stolen. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we, we spoke about um, the West Indies. You spoke about the debutants for the for the test, but realistically, they they're going to be more of an issue in the when I say more of an issue, more of a challenge for Australia in the one days in the twenty twenties. How do you see the, those two uh, little sets of games playing out with the Windies? Yeah, I mean, generally T20 cricket, uh, you know, one-day cricket, well, they didn't even qualify for the 50-year World Cup, did they? Mm. And again, with the West Indies, it's a case of what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, we know the the test squad, like I said, seven uncapped players. Uh, the one-day and T20 squads haven't been announced yet. But again, they'll depend on, they'll also clash with a lot of these T20 leagues, which are happening all around the world. Mm. Um, some of the key players like Jason Holder and Kyle Mayers have said no to central contracts, which... Uh, again, I think it'll, it'll, like we've seen with other countries as well, uh, who are not India, England and Australia, uh, a lot of those decisions might be taken by, not so much by the West Indies cricket board, but uh, more by the, the franchises that some of these big name players uh, represent. But hopefully, for, for, for from an Australian public's sake, some of their main white ball players do show up mm. because when they do, it, it, it will make for a good contest. Yeah, well. uh, otherwise, it could well be, you know, I don't see Australia tinkering around with their uh, with their test team. Uh, but if I think they'll also wait and see who the West Indies send. It could well be a, 
a bunch of players uh, who could get a, a get a go who you wouldn't have expected to even from an Australian perspective if it is to go that way but look it's a T20 World Cup coming up yep so Australia won't take that format lightly but you know they are one day champions so maybe they might rest some players and Bharat the more and more we, we, we all study the cricket and what's going on with the amount of games and the amount of different variety of games the the bigger the 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 whisper becomes a roar about having a, a stable calendar have you had, had time to think about if they were to have much more of a stable calendar, the video, how you would go about, or do you think right this moment in time the ICC are doing basically what they can to satisfy everyone? Uh, no, they are. They're scrambling, aren't they? And not just the ICC, but uh, the member boards as well. And that—that that is the ICC, right? Made up of the member boards. Mm. I guess going forward, the and I've said this before, the only option uh, is. Uh, with these franchise owners getting more and more power behind the scenes, uh, is at some point to stop looking at them uh, as the enemy, and uh, or as that uh, look at the T20 leagues as as the enemy, and kind of sit together on the table and find yeah. separate windows for international cricket. And the uh, look, there already seems to be a, a window for the IPL. Mm. Uh, and similarly, because of the spread of the IPL franchise owners buying leagues and buying teams elsewhere, you might just have to find those kind of windows. Um, well, a lot of traditionalists will not uh, appreciate that idea. Uh, but I think the only way forward is is together if we have to preserve our sport to any semblance of what we knew it to be, uh, mm. or like you know what we became fans of at the start. Yeah. Good point. Brat, uh, I want to get a prediction off you for this Windies test series before you go. I'll give you my own first. This is one where Australia, they just pump up those batting averages. Bozza. Mm. Okay. This is like Steve Smith, 300 runs, you know, Usman Khawaja. If they get knocked over for under 100, I'm gonna, honestly, <laughs> I'm going to tell Mark oh, this. I'm going to put this on social this media is, and everything. This is, this is a bloodbath coming. Uh, do you agree, Brat? Well, we saw uh, a sort of bloodbath last year in that sense. Romanus made about 500 runs in two tests and Steve Smith couldn't stop scoring runs. In fact, the middle order didn't even get a go. Uh, I think Travis Head made a big 100 as well in front of his home crowd. Uh, so, yeah, and that was against a West Indies team with some known players. This is a... Like, and again, it's such a lottery team that you don't know. Maybe there will be some talents that nobody's heard of who are special talents. There's one guy, uh, Alec Athenes, who uh, a lot of people think uh, is the future of West Indies cricket. Now, now if, if you know, let, let's see how he goes. He's played a couple of test matches left-hander. Uh, if he is the future of test cricket, I think maybe how he how well he goes or how well he, or how he doesn't go in the series will, will tell us a lot about the future of West Indies cricket itself. So, yeah, I mean, at the moment, it looks like a, like one-way traffic. And especially if Australia do play with their full-strength team, which they will. Um, yeah, a lot of runs to be scored. Manus looked really good in that Sydney test. He, he said he wants to make up for 2023. And he wouldn't get a better opportunity to do that against this West Indies team this mm -hmm. early in the year. Got a question here for you, Brat, just quickly before you go. Uh, who's best equipped? to open versus a hooping ball in New Zealand next month. Ergo, who has the superior technique in the UK and is most compatible with Usman? Bondi Jack reckons it's Renshaw. Mm. Look, I think I would like the squad is going to be announced later today. And I have a feeling Renshaw will be, and we are reading as well, Renshaw will be in the squad. Because I think they look at Renshaw as someone who can bat in the middle order and go up the top and bats better against spin than the other two options. 
Um, yeah, at, at the moment, it looks more like it will be Steve Smith, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, he's got a great record in England, so we're not going to England for another three years. But um, yeah, I mean, it could well be Steve Smith. But yeah, I mean, of those three specialist openers, uh, I have always been in favor of Matt Renshaw as well, uh, personally. But I mean, we'll see. I mean, if he's in the squad, then uh, it'll just make for uh, a little more impo- interesting discussions before that first is, which is all good. We we are not complaining at all. More to write about. Hmm. And Brat, can we catch you on the coverage uh, for SEN for this West Indies Test Series? Absolutely, you can. Uh, well, in fact, we'll I'm, calling, uh, <laughs> I'm calling the practice game as well, starting tomorrow uh, on on the cricket.com website. So, yeah, good fun. I'm I'm doing it also to get 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 to know some of these West Indian cricketers who we haven't heard of before. So, yep, I'll be there in Adelaide and then traveling. I've I'll got a few for you. Brisbane. Yeah, Joel Garner, yeah, right. Viv Richards, <laughs> Gordon Greenwich, Desmond Hay. <laughs> All right, we'll be listening to you, Brad. You better be spot on, or else I'm calling in. Yeah. Oh, fair enough, mate. Like, right. uh, you're on. All right, done. <laughs> All right, thanks Thank for joining us, Brad. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the best of the summer run home. Back tomorrow, 3 p.m. Sydney, 2 p.m. in Queensland.